Hello and welcome to another episode of Movie Thoughts. I am your host, Dominic Tartamella, and this is episode 89 of the Movie Thoughts podcast. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good? Um, it's October, a lot of scary movies coming out, as I say all the time. This one, um, yeah, Halloween-esque, I guess, a lot of murders in it, uh, but yeah, the the master is back at it again, right? Martin Scorsese. And so we'll jump right into it. If you thought the feel good, uh, <laughs> if you thought the three hour feel good movie of the year was Oppenheimer, we'll move over Christopher Nolan because we're going to get more somber. We're going to get more depressing. Uh, and we're going to get longer. We're going to go three and a half hours. And that uh, is, of course, Martin Scorsese's new film, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, A very anticipated movie. I still remember, I'm going to talk a little bit about The Irishman uh, in this uh, full disclosure, because The Irishman was the last uh, Scorsese movie that came out. That was uh, with Netflix. Um, This one is with Apple, how times have changed. Uh, But yeah. This isn't, but Killers of the Flower Moon isn't on Apple yet, from what I know. So it, it right now it's exclusively in theaters for anybody who's listening who uh, doesn't know where to find it. you got to find it in the theater, unlike The Irishman, which had a, a brief appearance in theaters and then was on streaming, as it still remains. And then it got a Criterion release, which maybe Killers of the Flower Moon will get a Criterion release. But yes... I joke, I kid, I love uh, Interstellar by Christopher Nolan, uh, but yeah, no, you're a somber movie, right? It's about the fucking creation of the atomic bomb, and, you know, what happens, and then the repercussions for all of us uh, of what happens when Oppenheimer helps uh, create that bomb, right? Now, this is a long movie, and I bring up The Irishman again, because it's about the same length as The Irishman, that was three and a half hours. Uh, funny to think about... Because I remember when The Irishman came out, I think I saw it a few days early. Because I saw it in theaters. And I had worked the night shift at my previous job. Which I think it was the last day in my previous job. but I And I went to go and see The Irishman in theaters. Right from work. Right from after doing an overnight. And I was exhausted. And it was a three and a half hour movie. But I stayed up. I stayed up because it was a great movie. And Scorsese is a master. And the energy, I found the energy inside of me. Now, I kind of did a similar thing this time. Um, I worked today. And then there was a screening for like 2.30 for Killers of the Flower Moon. And I was like, well, when am I going to get a chance to see it? Because I I don't mind runtimes. I've talked about this on the podcast. Give me a four-hour movie. That's fine. But, like, it's just... The, the more about the chore of of finding the time in your day to go sit in the theater for four hours. So I tend to see a long movie. I try to see it in the in the daytime, you know, as early as possible, just to just to get out of there where there's maybe some some remnants of sunlight. And there was when I left at what the movie started two thirty. You know, not what all the previews and shit. I probably walked out of there like six. And it was still a little bit, still a little bit of sunlight, not long, but I caught 
some sunlight. But yes, I stayed up for this. So first and foremost, I won't really get into spoilers. I'll warn if I get into spoilers. But um, yeah, I walked into this movie having worked, uh, was ready to go three and a half hours. And I got to say, if you want to take a review for what it is, I did not go to the bathroom once and I didn't doze off once. And that's been like, I'll be honest with you. I've dozed off on a couple of recent movies, just just being tired, and I have a lot of changing hours at work, and I think even The Exorcist, I was kind of like, I had a moment where I was like, and I did a little, you know, and I maybe, maybe for a second, but this, I did not. I cannot fall asleep to a Martin Scorsese movie. I cannot do that to him sitting there, but this movie is about uh, basically these Oklahoma murders. Uh, with this this Osage, Osage, Indian nation, whatever. I'm fucking it up. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm not an expert on Indians, but uh, I don't know. We can't we can't talk about certain things anymore, but Osage, the Osage uh, Indian tribe. And there were murders in the early 20s after oil was found on their land. And it's uh, the trailers don't really tell you the whole story. I... No, this is based on a book uh, that is written by David Grant that I heard is a good book. Maybe I'll – it's from 2017. Maybe I'll take a look at it uh, now, but I didn't want to do it, especially being this close to the movie. I was like, you know what? Let me just go along for the ride with Scorsese because even though a lot of times books have a lot more information and I didn't want to spoil the plot. But the book is called Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI. And that's basically what this movie is about. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. There's also um, additional cast members you'll see. You know, uh, John Lithgow pops up in there a little bit later in the movie. Jesse Plemons uh, pops up uh, as an agent at some point in this three-and-a-half-hour run. And yes, uh, as, as rumors have said... Brendan Fraser pops up. It's a small role, but Brendan Fraser, the mummy, the whale, the legend, we love him, Airheads, Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi. Great movie. Uh, my name's Chester. <laughs> if you don't get that reference, whatever. Go watch Airheads. It's a 90s uh, classic, cult classic. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I can't go on an Airheads riff. I'm trying to be serious. I'm trying to talk about Scorsese here. Um but yeah, Joe Montaigne's in it too. So when is Joe Montaigne not a legend? Fat Tony on The Simpsons. What am I? What am I even talking about? Am I talking about the Martin Scorsese movie? Or am I talking about Joe Montaigne? Is this a Joe Montaigne podcast? Perhaps. Uh, but yes. So overall, uh, I like this film. It's. I mean, it's no surprise. I like pretty much anything that that, that Scorsese does. It's. Definitely, like, I'll bring up Oppenheimer. Not that they're the same subject matter or anything like that, you know, apples and oranges and all that shit, but, you know, it's a similar dark tone. Um, This one, obviously darker. There's many murders. This is based on essentially a serial killer, right? You know, somebody who's a serial murders, if you will. So there's a lot of dead bodies. There's a lot of gunshots. There's what you come to expect when you watch a Scorsese movie, you know, you've seen Goodfellas, you've seen Casino, you've seen Gangs of New York, you've seen The Departed. 
you know what you're getting. You know you're getting violence. It's that kind of violence. Um, not all of Scorsese's movies have violence. You know, he's done everything from comedy to drama to romantic drama. He's fucking versatile motherfucker, Scorsese. But this is that kind of film. So going in, you should expect that, as I did. Uh, the movie, uh, to bring up Oppenheimer again, as far as runtime's going, this is longer than Oppenheimer, as I said. Three hours and 20 minutes, whatever. That's including credits. So you got to figure it's probably like three hours and 10 minutes or something like that, realistically, um, you know, film, film scene-wise. It does go a little bit slow. I think that one of the things I remember... Now, I only saw Oppenheimer once. I never got a chance to go see it again. So I'm looking forward to when the Blu-ray comes out next month. But I remember Oppenheimer was very well-paced. It did slow down in the third hour a bit uh, because then it became more about the uh, trial and, and catching us up to date with things. And this movie is is a very slow burn, like like Oppenheimer, but I, I feel like you do feel the pace a little bit more than Oppenheimer. It didn't, it didn't carry me away like that movie did, where I felt like, even watching it the first time, I was kind of like, oh, this movie moves pretty quick. We're in two hours, we're in two and a half hours, we're done. Just like that. But this movie, it's a little bit more of the slow burn. You know, it, it, they go into the characters' backstories, the, the oil thing. Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, character just comes back from the war. Robert De Niro's the fucking uncle, fucking rich uncle, fucking scumbag. This is based on a true story. So, like, if you, yet again, if you don't know anything, I didn't really know anything, and I did that on purpose because I wanted to go into this movie uh, like that. But if, you know, if you know, it's, it's, you could just look it up if you're curious, you know, if you want to keep, you want to get a, a, you know, a synopsis of what went down with these murders and the oil and it's crazy. It really is like actually watching it and seeing like how many people died and, and were killed or died under mysterious circumstances and the fucking cops and nobody got involved for like the longest time, uh, you know, because these were Indians and maybe people didn't care or whatever, or people were paying other people had them in their pockets, but it's, it's crazy. Um, obviously, you're looking at a cast, right? You got fucking... Now, I mentioned the side players a little bit. And there's some recognizable actors in there that have popped up in other Scorsese things that, uh, you know, do a good job as well. But we talk about DiCaprio, right? DiCaprio fucking A-game. I did see a trailer that was, like, his best performance. Somebody had said that in, like, the quotes. I don't know if i say it's his best performance ever, but it's it's very good, you know. He's he's convincing. He's he, they kind of ugly DiCaprio up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I listen, uh, you know, as a straight man, I'm a big DiCaprio fan, right? Just as an actor, uh, I remember when I was a kid and he did Titanic, and I was kind of ignorant, fucking ten years old, and I was like, oh, he's just a fucking, he sucks. He's just like every girl likes him, uh, but he's not a real actor, or whatever. But then you realize that this guy's a great actor. Um, and Titanic's a great film, but obviously everybody knows Leonardo DiCaprio is a good-looking guy. They kind of ugly him up as best as they can in this movie. He's got some fucked-up teeth. His ears are kind of doing this, like, pointy thing. He's got, like, a, a weird haircut. They they do the best they can to ugly uh, Leonardo DiCaprio up, and I, I think that helps with his performance, too, because he's kind of, like, 
really fucking leaning into it. He's a fucking drunk. He's making weird faces. And I just love to watch, like, Leonardo DiCaprio just chew the scenery. And especially him and Robert De Niro when they're having conversations together. And it's just it's just fun to watch that. Uh, you know, De Niro always fucking... Any, any movie where he's, you know, has a good director behind him, he's always giving a good performance, right? I mean, like, in in the recent years, you know, he's done some humorous stuff. He's kind of done some movies that you're, like, you're surprised he does. But when he goes uh, with a, uh, an A movie, an A director, and he knows what he's got to do, he brings his A game, right? Uh, bring up The Irishman. I know a lot of people have some problems with the movie and the, maybe the visual effects, maybe the the scenes of them, you know, trying to pretend that they're in their 30s. But overall, De Niro and company in that film gave a great performance. And he gives a good performance in here. He's And as I said earlier, he's like a piece of shit scumbag. And, and that gets right across from the very beginning. Uh, and then uh, Lily Gladstone, who is, is kind of like a newcomer. She's been in some stuff, nothing I've seen. Uh, but she plays uh, the girl that, Leonardo DiCaprio eventually marries of uh, the Indian tribe, and she's great. She's great. She really has a, a good screen presence, this girl. Like, she's definitely going to, especially, listen, you're in the fucking Scorsese movie. Your fucking career's made now. Like, she's going to pop up in a lot of other things, as she should, because she gives great performance, a lot of emotion behind her performance. And one of the things, too, is, like, she's a role that, she's kind of like a quiet presence, you know? Uh, and, and that's one of the things De Niro says in the beginning of the movie that, you know, the Indians are kind of quiet people and they don't talk and, you know, but that doesn't mean they're dumb. And she kind of takes on that, uh, persona and like just without word, just in her eyes and conveys so much like speaks, speaks without speaking. And that's gotta, uh, you know, I gotta give her credit as an actress for that. Uh, just, great definitely gonna see her in a lot of things but yeah uh as i said jesse plemons pops up and a little bit of a smaller role towards the end of this movie but yeah really interesting um i don't know like if i had to go like you know say like the oscars were going on in the oscars i fucking shit on the oscars now because the oscars kind of lost their way a little bit but like if i was sitting there and like i can't think of everything that would be you know going against each other, but let's say it came down to Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I'm a huge Nolan fan. I'm a huge Scorsese fan, maybe even a bigger Scorsese fan. I don't know, maybe. It might be neck and neck, but, like, I don't know. Not to, not to you know, put one down or raise one up, but, like, I'd probably say, uh, this is off of one viewing of each, I'd probably say, like, Oppenheimer should get, like, Best Picture or something like that. Maybe, I mean, Best Director, then that's another question, is Best Director fall into the same uh, hands as whoever wins Best Picture, but I probably liked Oppenheimer more uh, as a movie, but that's, you know, that's also just seeing it one time. Just seeing that one time, just seeing Killers of the Flower Moon one time. Um, But I don't know. Listen, we live in a fucking time where both of these movies came out in the same year, that's fucking great for movie fans. You know, Scorsese's still making movies. Nolan has his fucking A-game. He's only getting better. And uh, I, got, I got to give it to Scorsese. What is Scorsese? I It's always amazing. Scorsese is 80 years old. This guy is 80 years old. And, you know, he's 
winding down a little. Well, not really he's winding down, but like he's talking in interviews about how like he's not he's very conscious of his of his age and his his limited time that he has left and he wants to tell all these stories but he's not going to obviously be able to but like when you watch his movies it's like this guy you would never think this guy's 80 years old with the energy that these movies have um i mean just his last couple of movies in general i mean the last few movies was killers of the Flower moon irishman both three hours right there silence um the one with liam neeson and Adam Driver, and what's his fucking name? Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. It was pretty good. You know, it was a little bit religious, uh, a little bit too religious for my taste, but it's it was a good movie. Uh, and then Wolf of Wall Street, another three-hour film, which is like, that's like a cocaine-fueled fucking film that, like, you would think a fucking 25-year-old made. This guy, that was 2013, you know, it was 10 years ago, so you're 70, but still, this guy's still going strong making these energetic fucking films uh and he still got the eye you know he still got there's a there's a moment i don't know if it's really a spoiler but i'm saying it right now there's a moment uh in this film and i i got to assume it's it's a, it's a callback on purpose but there's a moment when uh we're in the courtroom with uh some characters and De Niro's there as well, and there's the scene in Goodfellas when Henry Hill points De Niro out, right? And then the, the camera, I think it does that, like, fucking spinny, whatever, that, I don't know, spinny, it's like a, a, the camera fucking spins towards De Niro, right? I believe, if I'm remember, remembering it correctly. In this movie, there's like a, it's like a shot for shot of that. It's like the same exact shot, and I just like I felt all like warm and fuzzy in my stomach because I was like, "This is Scorsese referencing his own stuff at this point." And I, obviously, you know, the cinematographer and and the cameraman they 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 know his work too. So I mean, he's telling them, and he wants it this way. And but it was it was nice. It was nice. If I'm remembering it correctly, because I'm remembering Goodfellas is shot just like that when when it, when Henry Hill points to De Niro when he's asked to point. Uh, Jimmy out in the in the core room very similar I I almost wish I could just watch it again I was like as it was happening I was like fuck I should have known I should have somehow known that was coming and I would have recorded it and been one of those people that holds their phone up in the movie theater no I don't do that I'm not a piece of shit uh how this movie will do box office I'm very curious because Oppenheimer made a lot of money uh Christopher Nolan Obviously, he's a younger director. I think he, I mean, film fans obviously love Scorsese, love, uh, you know, Nolan. I'm curious to see how this does. I don't know if it's going to hit as hard as Oppenheimer hit. I think that Oppenheimer had a little bit better marketing uh, than Killers of the Flower Moon. I, I definitely remember just that whole countdown and then really pumping it up with the trailers and, you know, We'll see. I think it, I'm sure it'll make its money. I don't think the the Taylor Swift concert will stay number one. I mean, when a fucking Scorsese, I, if Taylor Swift's concert stays number one, while a, a new Scorsese movie is out, I don't know if I could live in this world anymore. I don't know if I have any patience for civilization. Um, but yeah, new Scorsese. You know, you gotta you gotta go run out and go see a new Scorsese. That was a thing, even with the Irishman. I wanted to see it on the big screen, but that was one of the things I remember telling people, like, 
when fucking Irishman was out on Netflix and it was like right at your fingertips just one Thursday morning or whenever it dropped and it's like you, we live in a time where there's a brand new Martin Scorsese film just like a three and a half hour film just right there you could pick up your remote and you could just press play and it's like that's you gotta take advantage of that and you gotta take advantage of when you know the movies in theaters Killers of the Flower Moons in theaters we're not gonna get that many more Martin Scorsese movies I'm not I don't mean to be fucking morbid uh, but we're not going to get that many more. So go see it in theaters if you're a movie fan. It's, I went alone. Listen, I went straight from work. My wife had some stuff to do. <laughs> some stuff to do that didn't include seeing a three and a half hour movie. But she, but she's she's a trooper. She, she'll she watch a movie uh, like this with me. But she did have something to do. But I, I was also like I didn't want to go see it with her right off the bat. Because it is a long movie. And I even said to her now we were just talking about it. It's like. It is, yeah, it's a movie that definitely some people are going to benefit because of the length from watching it, maybe on TV, maybe at home, when it does come to streaming and Blu-ray and stuff like that. And I, I could understand that. But if you're fucking game for sitting in a theater for almost four hours and watching a good movie take you away and getting great performances and fucking that Scorsese charm, and maybe, you know... Maybe I heard Scorsese's voice at one point, you know, in that movie. Maybe he pops up. I don't know. You know, you never know what a Martin Scorsese movie. Maybe he did something like that. Uh, but, yeah, enjoyed it a lot. Uh, definitely recommend Killers of the Flower Moon. Definitely dark. Definitely dark. Um, doesn't, you know, like, not that, as I said, Martin Scorsese. You could go down the line and talk about how versatile of a director he is and how many different genres he's done. But he... Tends to, you know, in his gangster movies especially, there's that humor. Uh, so when something dark's happening, there's that humor. This isn't that type of movie. There's definitely some, uh, and I'll, if I call them goofy, it's just goofy, like, in a good way. But there's definitely some little, like, goofy kind of maybe conversations that occur with some of the characters, particularly in the beginning of the movie. That they're they're meant to be, you know, giggled at and stuff like that. And there's that humor coming through. But um yeah, it doesn't it's not there's it's a lot darker than uh you know, movies like Goodfellas and Casino and shit like that where there's there are there's a lot of humor sprinkled in. This movie was written by uh Eric Roth, who has done a bunch of stuff. He's uh wrote Forrest Gump, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Dune the Good Shepherd, which was another, which was a Robert De Niro, Matt Damon movie, and Robert De Niro directed it, and it was like, I think it was about like the CIA, and it was alright, I mean, I remember being a little disappointed, but yeah, this one, Killers of the Flower Moon, definitely go out and see it, definitely recommend it, uh, what else, uh, October, I don't know, we're smack dead in the fucking middle of October, I was trying to do more Halloween stuff, but I just don't have the fucking time. Uh, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do some stuff. I'm not going to make promises I can't keep. But Five Nights at Freddy's comes out next week, uh, I believe, which I'm excited about. It's also going to be on Peacock. I'm going to try to see it in theaters. I'm going to try to bring my nephew and see if he's got the balls uh, to go see it because he plays the game. And, you know, he's probably going to scream and stuff like that if I go see it because it's creepy. Five Nights at Freddy's is fucking creepy. Uh, also, got to mention, got to mention, Burt Young, Burt Young, 
Pauly from the Rocky movies. You'll know him as, if you know him, has passed away. What a fucking sad day. Legend. Uh, popped up, pops up in a bunch of shit. I mean, like, I can't, I'm going off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, he's popped up in movies like Ronnie Dangerfield from back in the day, Back to School. He, he was in The Sopranos for a little bit. Um, he was in the movie Mickey Blue Eyes. Mickey Blue Eyes. It was, like, right around the time The Sopranos was big. Uh, and he popped up, and he's like, uh, it's like, fucking, what's his name? Uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant is, like, marrying this girl, and her father's James Conn, and he's in the mob, and then Burt Young's, like, a mob boss in it. It's a fucking, it's a funny movie. It's worth a watch. But Burt Young's been around forever, right? Um, let's just take a look. Let's take a look. Let's, let's take a little look. We'll see. Rocky, uh, as I said, the, all the Rockies, pretty much. They did, you know, kill his character off off screen in Creed, but yeah, popped up in a bunch a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking. I mean, I named a lot of stuff that probably be most known, uh, but yeah, great actor, right? I break both the arms so they don't work for you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's my very young Rocco. You turned into a freaking loser. My sister turned into a freaking loser. He's so fucking memorable in that. I think he was a boxer, too, at one point. He was, like, an amateur boxer early in his life. But just seemed like a nice guy. I think I followed him on Instagram and shit. He was always putting up stuff. Uh, unfortunately, he, he is no longer with us. So rest in peace to Burt Young. Uh, crack one out open. Crack one open for Paulie. And then Paulie's robot. Uh, happy birthday, Paulie. <laughs> Rocky Four reference. But, yeah. That's the episode. As I said, going to try to do a couple more Halloween things if I get the chance. But Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese, go fucking see it. Uh, sit in that theater for three and a half hours and, and holding your piss. And that's it. That's all I got to say. Uh, but this is the podcast. If it's the first time you're listening to the Movie Thoughts podcast, welcome. This is it. It's just a guy ranting and raving about movies. Uh, check out the other episodes. Uh, if you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, all that shit. And yeah, speaking of Paulie and Rocky, how about Rambo? I do another podcast with my friend Ryan called the It's a Long Road Podcast. It's a Rambo podcast. We talk all that funny stuff and you may hear more bad, you may hear some stuff like that. So listen if you like stuff like that. And that's about it. Have a good night.